Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, what's up, everyone? The boys of Last Podcast on the left here. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Want to tell you about our new special. We filmed it in Chicago. It was an unbelievable experience, and you can enjoy it as well. Go to www.lastpodcastlive.com. Don't forget to put the www in You gotta get the W's in there. We're going in the way, way back machine all the way to 2001. <laughs> it's a technological glitch that we're trying to get tech support for. But still, just put in the www. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Oh, yeah! oh before we begin, uh, mm-hmm. 2019, new year, man. Oh, yeah. Got to warm up. Um, And this is a tale from up north, so I just have, I have to do a little bit of a Canadian warm up. Okay. Just to slide into this. Have some poutine, so. get into it. <laughs> Don't That's do the it poutine like that. noise. Really? Uh, Eo, 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 right. Eh, what you gotta do there? What you gotta do there is what you gotta do there is. Very good. Gotta, gotta put my runners on to go get a two four. <laughs> gotta get my runners on to go and get a two four. You know what? You just you transformed into a Canadian right in front of my ears. Incredible. My tits went flannel. I know. I see that. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. We also have a very Canadian Henry Zabrowski. Very loose-throated Canadian. <laughs> very loose-throated. Letting the sound come out here. Hey, hey. Mm. that's Canadian sex noise. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I didn't need to hear that. Happy hey, New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. And we want to thank everyone who went out and purchased our live show. It's still available, www.lastpodcastlive.com. Check it out. Uh, thanks for the great response. This is not just a commercial from 2007, but you must type in the W <laughs> yes. in order for the link to work. That is true. It is a tech glitch. <laughs> Again, it is still a DIY uh institution uh, that we is, have going here. It is indeed. <laughs> All right, so why is Henry Canadian, you may be asking yourself? Well, we are traveling to the great up north uh, in this episode. We're going to be talking about this guy. He is extremely special as a character, Mark Twitchell. 
Mark Twitchell was a psychopathic Canadian cosplayer hack failure who was busted in 2008 for murdering a man named Johnny Altinger and attempting to murder another guy named Gilles Tetro. The only reason why I specifically mentioned that Mark Twitchell was a cosplayer is because that is at the heart of what Twitchell eventually became. Hmm. See, Twitchell was actually pretty talented at cosplaying, although he usually went from the more popular characters like Darth Maul and Wolverine and Bumblebee. Okay. Seriously, he did all of the road work of cosplay. <laughs> it was like he made people call him Logan. That was like his nickname for himself. And you can say, because I don't know much about the inner world of cosplayers, right. but I am certain that people have a bit of ire towards the hack cosplayers oh, who only do the big names and it's not like I'm Nino from Captain Tintofor where <laughs> with his pitchfork and he has like devil you know like devil wings and like big tits well I know this as a fact one of my favorite bartenders and friend of over there at Carmine's Pizza in Brooklyn he de- uh, he cosplays as Deadshot and a lot of people say oh are you Deadpool he says I'm not Deadpool I'm Deadshot Deadshot's and pretty cool Deadshot's pretty cool but they do make fun of the people who are what they would call Basic. Basic (laughs) cosplayers. Damn. And we're not maligning cosplayers in any Mm. way whatsoever because we know a lot of our listeners do it. And we know that the vast majority of you know that it isn't real. Hmm. You're never actually going to be a Jedi, never going to be a mutant, never going to be a Transformer, but it's still fun to pretend. <laughs> Are you sure it's about not that? <laughs> yeah. We were at Comic-Con in San Diego, and I think some people were just dressed not even up. I think they were just like, now, finally, two days out of the year, I don't get maligned for dressing like whatever. I don't even know who these people are. Well, it's just because the more obscure, the better. Because then it, you really know your shit. But I have met people that do cry knowing the knowledge that they were not born with a tail. Yeah. Like, I know it's like an emotional thing. Aww. Yeah. But Mark Twitchell couldn't ever really accept that he was never going to be any of those things. See, Twitchell was your classic empty mask psychopath, but he still had the creative urge. Mm. But when you got that creative urge, but no empathy or emotion, everything you do is going to be hack and cliche. So, instead of creating anything that was truly his own, Mark Twitchell just copied what other people did, even beyond cosplaying. From making Star Wars fan films, to directly ripping off the Ricky Gervais HBO show Extras in a (laughs) terrible feature called Day Players. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. He was a filmmaker. All right. So, he's a filmmaker, he's an artist, he's a cosplayer. I don't think we've ever had a serial killer. Uh, who has these sort of attributes, right? Ed Gein was very creative. Did we forget? Well, I mean, honestly, Ed Gein, if if the internet was around during Ed Gein's era, his Etsy would be huge. Very haunted. But Twitchell's only consequential ripoff was of a show that he became obsessed with only in the year leading up to his attempted and successful respective murders. And this is why Twitchell is famous Mm. and why you may know his name. And even though we know Twitchell was going to murder someone, whether he saw this show or not, Twitchell's show was Dexter. Damn you, Dexter! (laughs) The only other people who said that are the people who had pilots in contention up against Dexter at Showtime. That's the only people who ever mentioned that show with that much passion. I do. The thing about Dexter, that was sort of before the true crime wave came. I think he was on the, you know, kind of the the beginning of it. But the thing that aggravated me was always everyone's like, he kills, but for a reason. I'm like, he's still a serial killer. We know. That's the thing. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, like Dexter was a completely fine show with two pretty good seasons. Yeah. 
about a serial killer who's also a cop who takes out his serial killing urges on criminals who fall through the cracks of the criminal justice system. And John Lithgow, he had a great run as a villain in the series. Really scary. Yeah, Yeah, because that was like season four when it kind of got some life back into it, I think. I'm not sure what year year John Lithgow was on. I'm looking it up. Dexter. Season four. It was season four. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. So suddenly, with this obsession... Mark Twitchell didn't need to have real adamantium claws or Jedi mind control powers to place himself within a fantasy that he had no part in creating. Hmm. He could do it by being one of the laziest, least creative things in the world, (laughs) a killer. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to say Hollywood producer. <laughs> no, buddy. He tried to he tried to make a movie, and he saw how hard that was. He tried to make two movies, and they got so hard that he decided to flip to becoming something easier, which was a serial killer. <laughs> but the thing was, when he decided to do that, he didn't have the courage or the wherewithal to copy Dexter completely. Because, I mean, this guy wasn't going to be hunting down criminals no. and capturing them. As he did with everything else in his life, he cut corners. And he cut a pretty damn big one on this one. Instead of stalking, catching, and killing criminals like Dexter, Twitchell preyed on lonely single men living in his hometown of Edmonton, Canada, using a fake online dating profile. So basically he prayed, if he's praying on the lonely men of Edmonton, he's praying on every man in Edmonton, basically, <laughs> yes. right? It's if John from Garfield was real. (laughs) And there was no cats around. But since Mark Twitchell was an unoriginal idiot who just thinks he's a brilliant mastermind, he got caught on his first murder almost immediately, just seven days after he did the deed. Mm. And part of the reason why he got caught was because he wrote a full confession on his laptop detailing the entire murder and the disposal of the body as well as the attempted murder that came before. I'm going to say that part of the reason why we're doing this episode is because I think that this is maybe the biggest loser we've documented on our entire show. Yeah. Really? Even there, There's a- something about this guy that reeks of just uh, no medium talent. That, that's the word that keeps coming. When Bill Murray screamed and Chevy Chase called him a medium talent, and that's how they got into a fist fight. <laughs> this is how this guy, this is what he reminds me of. And he wrote a 42-page long script detailing every part of each one of his crimes that is not only hacky as fuck, not right. only is it just a terrible written thing because it sounds like, it's like discovering somebody's live journal. Ooh. If you're from our generation... Do you remember how, like, our generation, a lot of people had live journals? Yeah. And a a part of it was that you did want people to see your innermost thoughts. Yeah. But not really. Like, you kind of was like, my thoughts are out there, but you didn't really want anybody to see them because if they do read them, they are highly fucking embarrassing. Right. This document called the SK Confessions, (sighs) serial killer confessions, (laughs) called the SK Confessions, was like a serial killer's live journal. It okay. may as well have had like like weeaboo pictures in it, like little anime things in it being like, oh, too, too real for me, like all that kind of bullshit. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it could have been a good Tumblr. Yeah. yeah a good pop- Tumblr page. I mean, this is live journal through and through because you got to remember all this happened in like 2008. We're, we're pretty current with this story yeah, here. Yeah, fairly current with this story, but it was long enough ago where the internet was just starting to become available to regular people. And people still thought it was mildly private yes all right just quick question douchebags we've covered a lot of them biggest ones 
Uh, we got Twitchell, Elliot Rogers. Mm. Who's worse, yes. Elliot Rogers or Twitchell? Ooh. Quick nerd, uh, true crime nerdy question. I'm gonna say Roger. Yeah, I'm Elliot say Roger. I'm gonna say Elliot Roger. Yeah, I'd say yes. He is obviously a much more even dangerous piece of shit simply because he killed more people. Right. Where um, the reason why I end up putting Mark Twitchell in more of the bigger loser categories because he couldn't even do the killing part. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It's settled. And I think the other thing about Twitchell is that like he did have some talent to him. Okay. But he had just a little bit, uh, but the problem was that he was a complete and total psychopath. Right. And I'm beginning to think we shouldn't trust people who write screenplays. <laughs> that seems to be the problem. Well. well, Henry, would you like to read the introduction to SK Confessions? Yes, and now for the inner voice of Mark Twitchell. <laughs> I don't remember the exact <laughs> place and time it was that I decided to become a serial killer, but... I remember the sensation that hit me when I committed to the decision. It was a rush of pure euphoria. Uh, euphoria. I felt lighter, less stressed, if you will, at the freedom of the prospect. There was something about urgently exploring my dark side that greatly appealed to me, and I'm such a methodical planner and thinker. The very challenge itself was enticing to behold. This realization was just the last in a series of new discoveries I made about myself. This dude, it, it is Elliot Roger meets BTK. This, yes. is a, this is a perfect douchebag burrito. But just to see how a failed filmmaker became an almost double murderer, let's get into the story of Mark Twitchell, using as our main source, The Devil's Cinema by Steve Lelebuen, which is a well-researched and well-written account of the whole story. Comes recommended. Okay. So Mark Twitchell was born in Edmonton, Canada on July 4th, 1979. Stealing our day. Stealing our day indeed. (laughs) Now, as per Lelebuen's account of Edmonton, it sounds like a fairly awful place to live. In fact, it's commonly known in Canada as... Deadmonton. Yes, yes. That's also like they lived in a place called, I think it was like Wills Nor, and they called it Kills More. Like, <laughs> all right. We like the verbal puns. See, Edmonton is an oil town. And as we know, oil towns are almost always rife with crime due to the fact that there's a lot of people with a lot of money and not a whole lot of good ideas on how to spend it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's also got something to do with the fact that oil is slippery? <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Now, around the time of the murder of Johnny Altinger, Edmonton was actually the most violent city in Canada, with 39 murders marking the year 2005. Oh, my 39 murders. Uh, well, that's, I mean, come well, on. By American standards. <laughs> for them, it is. Well, for them, it's quite it's a bit. Peaceful well, city in America. Well, I mean, that's still in a town of 700,000. So 39 murders, that's going to get noticed. 39 murders? Come on, they're people. In Des Moines on a Sunday. <laughs> Kissel. Their people are bigger. So it's like it's technically, it's like it's 78 murders. And you know, we don't have a lot to brag about, but I'm just going to say we will, we have more murders than that. (laughs) We do. In Poughkeepsie. Actually, in the book, uh, the author did say, like, now I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot to you Americans. (laughs) 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 Well, we here in Canada, that's a lot. Good Lord. Now, another reason why it's called Deadmonton is that it's pretty much the furthest north you can go in Canada before you start hitting the wastelands. Now, there certainly are towns past Edmonton, but they're places like Grimshaw, 
Paddle Prairie and Grumbler. And I'll tell you what, Grumbler is famous for being overrun with moose burglars. <laughs> they're like cat burglars, but they're just big fat guys with Molson's jerseys on, just just stuck in basement windows. Oh no! It sounds like the Undertaker named all these towns. <laughs> what is happening? But really, Twitchell. I mean, he could have been from pretty much anywhere in North America. I mean, from the outside, he seemed like just a run-of-the-mill suburban nerd who was super into video games, comic books, Star Wars, and cosplaying. Mm. But on the inside, Twitchell was a born psychopath. He had no trauma in his childhood to speak of, and he came from a loving home, with his parents even going so far as to pay to have his freakishly protruding ears pinned back when he was a kid. Oh, come you on. You know... Kids should always be treated like a Weimaraner. <laughs> yeah. Can you just pin your ears back? What do you do to that? I don't know how that works. So he's into cosplay, video games, comics. So basically the name of his book is How Not to Meet a Woman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, that's great. nowadays that shit don't change. No. That's because true. Because Comic-Con's where you go to meet a cool woman. Back in the day, though, they didn't know that. Yeah. That's and it weird. did make you isolated. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm not making fun of no Comic-Coners in this house. We love our Comic-Con people here. <laughs> Well, Twitchell grew up to be pretty much just like a normal-looking, average white guy, not fat, not skinny, maybe a little piggish in the face. <laughs> you know what he's got that I don't like? He's got big legs. He's got big thighs. <laughs> oh, okay. There's something about dudes who got the wrestling bottom half, you know what I mean, with the big butt attached to big legs. I don't trust them. No, you can't. Great for cow tipping, though. But internally, Twitchell had one of the actual medical tells of a psychopath. Mark Twitchell was born without a sense of smell. And while not everyone with a poor sense of smell is a psychopath, a 2011 study found that many psychopaths are afflicted with this condition. Really? They think it's because psychopaths tend to have less frontal lobe activity. Frontal lobe being the area of the brain that's associated with impulse control and acting within society's norms. Hmm. And that's also where the sense of smell is located. Interesting. Of course, Frontal Lobe, the sister of Lisa Lobe, a fantastic (laughs) singer. Thank you. That is funny. 2019. Thank you. (laughs) That is really good. You really re-upped with the joke. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Do you think he becomes like Daredevil? (laughs) Or since he doesn't have a sense of smell, everything else is heightened? He can feel the future. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, could be. But Twitchell had other psychopathic tendencies besides just the smell thing. He was a pathological liar, he stole money from his mother, Mm. and he was arrested twice for shoplifting from grocery stores. Well, you know. But Mark Twitchell considered himself to be a genius. I think this is where the psychopath shit starts coming on. He had definitely a superiority complex from as a very little kid. Yeah. But the pathological lying is something... I'm not going to say I was as a boy, but I told a lot of stories. And sometimes it's what leads you to be a storyteller. Technically, up until this point, he's just getting all the tool sets he needs to be a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Right, right. No, you also wanted to be a priest. Um, (laughs) So you had a lot of problems as a child. I was too horny. Yeah, that was it. So he stole from grocery stores. Yeah, he shoplifted from grocery stores. But what do you shoplift from a grocery store? A pineapple? What are you talking uh, about? Cereal? What do you you never a, did that? No, never from a grocery store. Yeah, you steal from I, when you steal I was, from Hot Topic. You steal from cool places. You get a shirt. You get a belt thing. No. When I was the, my poorest, I used to get a grocery cart and drive around. You get a couple of dry goods. You eat them as you go. 
<laughs> and then you leave them back in the cart. And then sometimes if you're a big fat kid, your parents are being like, no, we're not getting you another Mars bar, Mark. And you're like, well, mother, we'll see what my fingers do. <laughs> and it was like, you could see him getting a Mars bar. I mean, like, another deed, another dollar. And he just opens it up and like smears chocolate over his face like he's eating a log of shit. All right, all right. I don't know where you, where you, where you hit all the stuff in your, in your man purse, perhaps. Oh, and Twitchell had a new idea. He attributed it to what he called his internal creative genius. Oh, God. Which is a term he used so often, he abbreviated it to ICG. Always with the fucking acronyms. But of course, ICG was always just a spin on someone else's idea. Hmm. The biggest well being, without a doubt, Star Wars. Okay. And in particular... Despite being adult when they came out, because I can get this if you were a kid when these movies came out. Right. Mark Twitchell was obsessed with the prequels. Oh, no. He went and saw each one in the theaters, all three of them, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Uh Revenge of the Sith. Was it Revenge of the Sith? Was the third one? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was Revolt of the Sarth. Yeah, something like (laughs) that. He went at least... Half a dozen times. I think the last yeah. one was Sith. You're being mean to me. <laughs> You're being mean to me. You know, people at Comic-Con are very nice. The only time they will ever get violent and everyone will kick your ass if you dress as Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> you will get pummeled like a gang beaten. But he viewed Jar Jar Binks as like a, a role model. Wow. He loved the prequels. He, he would talk about, like he said that he would go and cry. In the prequels, being like, this is the story George Lucas was meant to tell. This is oh, the story no. of humankind. Yeah. That, to me, is marker number one. Yeah. Those are the stories that... Those stories happened because George Lucas got divorced to the woman who really came up with a lot of the Star Wars ideas, <laughs> and then she didn't help him on the prequels, and that's what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, his biggest care, his biggest uh, love out of all the characters in the prequels, Mark Twitchell... Loved Anakin Skywalker. By far the worst character in all of the prequels. Mannequin Anakin. Yeah, Mannequin Anakin. Yeah, Mannequin Anakin. Yeah, Yeah, Mark, he'd even go on theforce.net, which was like, actually, full disclosure, force.net, pretty sweet-ass Star Wars message board. I used to go on it all the time when I was a kid. I loved it. Absolutely. And he'd post about how awesome he thought it was when Anakin killed all those kids. He'd be like, can you imagine how much strength it took to do that? Could you even imagine? And he'd do it using goofy little screen names like Achilles of Edmonton, (laughs) Grinning Fisto, or Psycho Jedi. Psycho Jedi. That's the one that makes me... I just it just sends a shiver up my spine just imagining the manager at Hot Topic that also calls himself Psycho Jedi. <laughs> yes, they all sound like rejected wrestling names. Like when Stone Cold was talking about how they wanted to give him the name Mr. McFreeze and he's like who yeah. comes up with this shit? I don't know. I can see myself cheering for Achilles of Edmonton. Yeah, that, that's actually kind of classy. Yeah, I could, yeah, that's pretty good. I could see myself buying shoes from a place called Achilles of Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, Twitch was so into Star Wars. He even got a vanity license plate that just said DRK Jedi, Dark Jedi. He meant for it to say Dark Jedi, but you know what it stands for? Dork Jedi. <laughs> oh, I like that. But the thing that got Twitchell going most was actually making movies. Movies being a term that I use very loosely here. Okay. 
Starting from a young age, Twitchell and a couple of friends worked on a project that they called The Video. Videos, mostly just parodies. Actually, one of his ideas I kind of like, he did a Judge Dredd parody called Judge Fred, <laughs> and it featured Fred Flintstone as Judge Dredd. Honestly. So you mean to tell me he was... Mad TV. <laughs> At the same time of Mad TV, and I'm pretty certain that he may have stolen that from Mad TV because it was on TV at the time. No, that is singly, that is, that's the single greatest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and also, Judge Fred. what's fucked up is that the mask he created for Judge Fred is eerily similar to the mask he uses to kill his victim a couple of years later. Ooh. And, and, you know, speaking of which, like, Mark made all of his own costumes. He actually made a Darth Maul costume for the Phantom Menace premiere. And I, you know what? B+. Plus. Okay. Solid B+, plus on this costume. He put a lot of work into his costumes. Yeah. Yeah, his aunt taught him how to do it. If you look at all, it's, it's a lot of detail. He spent a lot of time. Oh, yeah. Again, if he had just kept to it. You could have ended up working in the special effects world. You could end up working in the costume world, especially now that there's a big bump oh, yeah. in uh, film production in Canada. And, and fan-made films, of course, those are real popular. Yeah. The thing with cosplay is every time a cartoonist draws your favorite character a little differently, you've got to upgrade. Because I was talking to my friend about it who plays Deadshot. Deadshot came out with a new comic. Ah. He's got a bunch of new trinkets. Ah. He's got to oh, upgrade. Shit. So it's not easy. <laughs> But, of course, the allure of the internet always drew Mark Twitchell back, especially in the early days. See, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, the internet was a much different place than it was than it is today. Hmm. These days, everyone's got the internet. But back in the year 2000, it was mostly populated by people like me, Henry, Mark Twitchell, and his first wife, Megan Castorala, who was nothing more than just a sweet, Naive girl from Colorado Springs. Oh, Yeah. The two of them met in one of the internet's many chat rooms and soon began an internet romance. Emails turned to calls, and eventually Mark Twitchell impulsively asked her to marry him over the phone. Classic psychopath move. Well, that is so romantic. <laughs> well, it's just very... They didn't ever meet each other, and then he asked her to marry her, and then that poor woman was just like... Yeah, like, she's such a sweet lady. If you see the interview with her, she's so nice. And then he just, like, shows up like, I'm a Mac Daddy from Canada <laughs> who's about to lay that dick down so deep your whole life's going to be shattered. And then it turned out that, that dick didn't go that deep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, she said yes. She boarded a flight to Canada two months later and married Mark Twitchell on January 4th, 2001. And hmm. she had been only been married to this near stranger for three days when Mark asked her a question. As they were laying in bed one day, Mark asked her, without prompting, if she ever thought about killing a person. And Megan later said that she was suddenly... Very aware that she was in a strange country sitting in a bed with a man she barely knew. Hmm. So she said, sure, but she'd never actually do it. But Mark immediately said that he'd very much thought about killing someone and had thought about finding a homeless person and just killing him because no one would ever miss him just to see what killing a guy felt like. That's interesting. You know, that's that's one of those questions if you're in a relationship, you know it's not really directed towards you. They want to tell you. It's like if you're in a relationship and and one of the partners is like, "Have you ever thought about having a threesome?" You know, and then uh in reality you're like, "No, I would never." And then they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, me neither." <laughs> you know. Now, this was in 2001. This was 7 years before the murder of Johnny Altinger. And this guy 
you know, Mark Twitchell, he was going to murder someone no matter what. Mm. But Megan, she tried sticking it out. And eventually, Mark Twitchell moved with her to America and got a job as an appliance salesman, which he was actually very good at. He was very, he was a great salesman. Okay. A lot of psychopaths are. But Mark still spent most of his time on the internet. In fact, Megan would sometimes catch him online pretending to be a woman because Mark thought it was fun. It was actually Ooh. one of his hobbies. Yeah, see, if it becomes your hobby, <laughs> that's when it's a big enough a... That's a red flag. Now you can stream the live TV you love for just 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices, and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you'll love. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace! With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into draft rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home. 
on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love Fast Growing Trees because I just moved here to Los Angeles. I got a yard now, and I'm doing all the landscaping myself. I love working in my garden. I love planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So the two lived together in Peoria, Illinois for four years, but the marriage fell apart one weekend when Mark left Megan at home and went to Cosplayer's Paradise. Dragon Con. I tell you what, man, and to this day, Dragon Con is where you go to get freaky with some nerds. Yeah. That is just wall-to-wall Spider-Man butter (laughs) up in that fucking house, dude. Well, it sounds like a great time. Yeah, uh, Dragon Con's awesome. I went a year before, me and Carolina went like a year before last, I think. It was fucking great. Yeah, it's down in Atlanta. It's an awesome little Comic-Con, and it's it's where cosplayers go to show off. So okay. you like see the best cosplaying at Dragon Con. Cool. And what happens at Dragon Con comes back with you in a in a bag. <laughs> comes in, it's like, it's it's rough. I mean, that's merch. It's a lot of merch. Yeah. A lot of merch. And Margaret, yeah, I bought my ocarina there. No kidding, Marcus. <laughs> what? I don't know what the hell that sentence meant, but thank you for sharing. <laughs> and Mark Twitchell, like so many others before and after. Cheated on his wife that weekend in Atlanta. With a dragon? <laughs> why are you all, why is your cock all burned? I got a blowjob from a dragon. Honestly, that's half the stories of Dragon Con because you know the dragon's got big old titties. <laughs> that's why you're doing it. And as soon as Marchucho got back, he told his wife what he'd done without an ounce of guilt, and she divorced him soon after. <sighs> See, okay. at least at least she fucking got a clean slate to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And that's not the only uh, run-in that uh, Mark Twitchell had at a Comic-Con while searching for various things on uh, a place called documentingreality.com. I found a man who only goes by the name of Ricky, who talks about an encounter that he had with Mark Twitchell at a Comic-Con. Hmm. 
This piece of shit tried to befriend me because I was carrying around two lightsabers from New Year's Edmonton. I saw his license plate saying Dark Jedi, and I knew he was going to be a bad apple, like a guy on a Harley. He made a point to grab the same Spider-Man stickers I was grabbing at the dollar store in City Center Mall. I ignored him and went my way because I don't need stalkers. He followed me home, and I hoped you wouldn't come inside so I could get him on video cameras. I don't like stalkers. Then after a while, he just dropped me and disappeared. I kept looking over my shoulder for this filth. Later, I read how he wanted to leave the Spider-Man plastic bag so as to frame someone. And that someone being me, Ricky. (laughs) Oh, my. Two lightsabers. Ricky is a pretty cool cat. Oh, and uh, Spider-Man stickers, you say that's what uh, they were fighting over? Yep. You know what was on on Mark Twitchell's laptop? What? Spider-Man stickers. Seriously. Whoa. Whoa. This is crazy. But Twitchell is four years in America were not totally wasted. When he returned to Edmonton, he had an idea for a movie. Now, I couldn't find anything about the actual plot, but as soon as Twitchell got back, he started working on a feature-length fan film called Star Wars Secrets of the Rebellion. Now, as lame as it sounds... When you look at the footage of it, I saw some footage of it in the various documentaries about Mark Twitchell. You see that they actually had some pretty good, high-quality costumes in that. Great And costumes. they had a full-on right. green screen studio. He was really hustling on that yeah, horrible movie. The thing with fan films is you're not legally allowed to make any money off of them. Yeah. Otherwise, they come, they, they lay the Thor's hammer down yeah. on you. So I don't really... Mjolnir. <laughs> yep, yep. You want to be careful. Yeah. And we're saying, you know, we're not saying there's anything wrong with fan films or cosplaying or anything like that. And to give credit to Twitchell, I mean, he spent two years on this, and he spent sixty thousand dollars of his own money on this, and he even created his own company to do this whole thing. What it was, was called, that called Express Entertainment. That's X P R E S S. Express. You, cool. Why do you have a uh, black couch in the waiting room? <laughs> Well, that's where we do a lot of filming as well. Uh, we rent that uh, out to a this company. This is, um, it's more of an audition place <laughs> where uh, girls that seem to arrive here from Wichita or uh, even as far as Magunka. <laughs> they may be 18 and new to the film industry, and I just want to make sure that they get off on the right foot. <laughs> yeah, Twitchell, I mean, he even got the guy who played Boba Fett to do a cameo. Hey, got yo. Jeremy Bullock in there. Now, why do you, hold on a second. Do you need the guy who did Boba Fett? Aren't isn't he covered the entire time? <laughs> it's, it's, Can anyone yes. just do that? This is a good point. This is a good point, and that will come back around again and again in very in every remake, being like, we don't need the real original no. Jason Are because you he's in a man. You got the job. But I will say, in order to even get Boba Fett to do the movie, he had to give Boba Fett final cut. He had to actually, and he's just doing a cameo, but Boba Fett still had to watch the entire thing and approve the the final cut. <laughs> but still, you know, it seemed like it was all going to work out. The Canadian Broadcasting Company, the CBC, they came out, they did a little feature oh. on the shoot. Oh, they also do a feature called Favorite Duck of the Month, so I wouldn't <laughs> give him a lot of credit. I would watch that feature every month. And pretty soon, you know, Mark Twitchell, he was married for a second time to a woman he met on PlentyOfFish.com. Oh. Although, it was pretty much, I mean, it was the same thing as the time before. He met her three months in, I think. He, you know, asked for her hand in marriage. They got married, and then a couple months after that, she was pregnant. 
Oh, my goodness. Locked in. Plenty of fish, indeed. Just squirty, squirty. Had plenty of fish in his balls, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> now she's got one big old fish in her gut. Yep, she's got a big grouper in there. <laughs> yeah, oh, around. yikes. Man, I'll tell you what. Plentyoffish.com does not look good anymore. I went on that website because I was hungry. And they didn't even <laughs> What food. is this? Come on, this <laughs> I had to I had to search plenty of shrimp.com next. 2019. You don't want to see that. 2019. <laughs> plenty of shrimp. Yeah. Don't go there, man. Yeah. It ain't about shrimp if you know what I'm talking about. God, man, it's just for tiny dicks. <laughs> <laughs> What's this whole Danzig page about? <laughs> and things they just kept rolling for Mark on Halloween 2007. He won best costume with a Transformers bumblebee suit Ooh. at Edmonton's biggest Halloween party, The Howler. You know what, man? Bumblebee has a new movie coming out. Um, into the what is it? The, the Spider Verse is supposed to be the best Spider-Man film. This dipshit would have loved the future. Yeah, he would have. He just fucked up yeah. so bad. He doesn't get to enjoy any of the nerd shit that he likes. None of it. Yeah, now he just gets to be just mercilessly beat up in jail for liking this. <laughs> And he didn't just win the Howler Halloween costume contest. He won another contest the next day at a nightclub at the West Edmonton Mall. Whoa, nightclub at the mall. Cool. (laughs) But, I mean, before you judge, it's the biggest mall in North America, all right? Wait. No, Mall of America is. Yep, the West Edmonton. I looked it up. The West Edmonton Mall actually beats it. Does it have a frickin' Dick's Last Resort? Does it have a Hooters? Does Mall of America have a nightclub? Oh, you can dance anywhere. <laughs> well, anything can turn into a nightclub if you're there at night and you're drinking. Exactly. <laughs> but despite all of this, one year exactly after that night at the West Edmonton Mall, Mark Twitchell would be under arrest for first-degree murder. Mm. So what happened? Well, there's a couple of factors at work here. In the fall of 2007, everything just kind of stalled in Mark Twitchell's life. Shooting on Secrets of the Rebellion had ended that summer, but the whole thing had been done on a green screen. So he needed a huge team of special effects people to finish it for him because he had no idea how to do 3D rendering. But that's tough to do, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, it's very cool. difficult. I don't know how to do it. And whoever volunteered, this is the only catch, they were going to have to do all of this work completely for free. Woohoo! Yep. <laughs> now, you got to, as a young, struggling filmmaker like because I, I know we have people like that who listen to the show and we make we like I try to make a movie back in the day we've tried to make projects before oh yeah but when you on your own dime it's really really difficult and a part of it is that Mark Twitchell just thought that he was such a genius and that people were attracted to him so much is that it wasn't just that he was out of money it was the way that he sold Secrets of the Rebellion to the people that he attracted, like the PAs that he became like kind of his little go boys for free that he kind of wore out their welcome with them. He then kind of pushed this movie onto a guy that's like, you have an idea how difficult it is to find somebody just to edit a seven minute sketch for free? (laughs) Never mind, an hour and a half of digital rendering where it was all digital rendering. If you see the stills, he didn't have sets. No. They were all just standing on green screens. 40% 40% of the movie 
was supposed to be digital rendering. And oh, then that's he a lot. expected it all to be done for free. And he kind of acted as if it was a foregone conclusion. That all oh of these my. people are going to jump to my aid because I'm a genius. Because I've already continued this lie. Because up to, when he got CBC to come look at his bullshit and do the little bit on him. He was like, you see, I'm going someplace now. And in the next movie, it, this all of this is going to do is just build up to, for my next movie. Where I'm going to get some real Hollywood actors. And he's spinning this lie hoping it's going to turn into a truth. And it doesn't. Right, yeah. right. And for the artists out there, we worked for free for five years doing the pods. Um, so if you do, have, if you have a vision and you want to work for free, you something you got to do it. Yeah. But this is totally you have to different. work for free. You, you have to bust out that vision for free because yes. there's going to be nobody there to help you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, like Mark Mark Twitchell, like he didn't even know how to be a filmmaker because mm-hmm. the guy who played Han Solo in the movie, who was like an actual working actor that Mark hired, he was like. This guy has no fucking clue what he's doing. Yeah, they said he got all the. He was really into the gadgets and the costumes. Yeah, which I which I totally understand. He was he built really ornate costumes and he got he spent all of his fucking money on these killer cameras. Right, but he had no clue what the fuck he was doing otherwise, and then acted as if he did, which is common. You got to fake it till you make it, but at some point it catches up to you. I'm just sad we didn't get to see a second film, Jar Jar Binks, in the ears of truth, because <laughs> oh. I think that would have been great. And it's him lobbying the White House to lift the ban on the communists in the 50s. I think that's a good way to position him into a new time period. Absolutely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. It's sports. Prize picks. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor, with seating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Yeah! Toss that rock! Come on, guys! Yeah, pass it around. Get on the excitement with Price Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious caps. Whether it's hula hoops or earring hoops, you're going to know everything you need to know about sports. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Price Picks with little as four correct picks. Conference tournaments are here, which means the biggest moments in college basketball are getting closer. 
skip ball. Price books even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I sure wish that Bobby Bonilla was still in the game because I would pick him to go all the way. Can you imagine if Bobby Bonilla played basketball? Woo-wee, dog! Then, it would be more like baseball, but Bobby Bonilla would still be crushing it in the contract game! Woo! The deadliest game of all. Download the app today and use code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. That's code LEFT for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh, it is idiotic to blame a television show for inspiring a murder because right. we all know that people like Mark Twitchell are eventually going to kill someone no matter what media they consume. Yeah, they'll find a way or, or a reason. Yeah, they'll always, always find a reason. But in 2007, just as everything was stalling with the Star Wars project and just as the glow from the night of the bumblebee had faded, <laughs> Mark Twitchell was introduced by a friend to Dexter. And Twitchell ate that shit up. Watched the whole season in four days. Get it. And then there was a bright spot. See, even though the Star Wars project had stalled, Twitchell still had another project. Day players. Ooh. Day players. I mean, it's pretty much just extras and that it's about extras in the film industry, but with Canadians. Right, right. We actually have a short clip of the god-awful trailer that was uploaded by and co-starred Mark Twitchell about 10 years ago. And we're going to play this in its entirety on our Adult Swim stream on Tuesday. All right, we're excited uh, to be back every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, adultswim.com slash stream. Nice plug, Kissel, with the plug. Plugging it. All right. Uh, what's Amy up to lately? I don't know. I was going to ask you the same question. Why would I know what Amy was up to at all? Weird. She, well, she told me what you were up to. Um, 
I, I, I can't remember. I don't know why she would know that. I can't remember the last time I uh, saw Amy. It was it was definitely not last night. You didn't uh, see her last night? No. Not at your apartment? Well, I mean, you know what? Yes. Oh. Yeah. You know what? Oh. Yeah. I and I was. I was well, cause, uh, okay. Amy is my girl. You broke up with her, jackass. So that doesn't give you the right to. Cut. Guys. Can you keep it down back there? We're trying to keep the audio clean for the take. I don't want to have to do this 16 times. Sorry. Sorry. Blow my fucking brains out. <laughs> Sorry. Also, uh, whenever you go to L.A., go down to a bar, not a nice one, just go to a normal L.A. bar, and you'll hear extras talking because it's a full profession. Yeah. And they are really upset. I heard three white dudes talking because now they do inclusion writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there have to be more diverse people in the background as, as extras. They are not happy. <laughs> and the, the a conversation between professional extras who are out of work is one of the most fascinating things you could ever uh, eavesdrop on. BG artists do, they know more about union rules than any other human so beings I've ever met in my face, of the face of the planet. They know the hours breaks down. They know the what you get for the for bumps, depending on if you bring certain clothes. You get a bump. Like a, That's a big thing, too, is that if you have very specific like clothing choices, like if you have a cop's uniform, which is... I don't know how they get this shit half the time. They walk in with a full-on cop's fucking costume on, being like, they get a bump for it. And right. I was like, what else do you do? And he's like, yeah, sometimes you can just pretend to be a cop. And you're like, that's a crime. You shouldn't be doing that. They know what. They know when the lunch is served, the best time to go, get in line. But yeah, that was the whole premise of the movie, is wow. that there was, and it was just a, like, there was a, a scene that was, quote-unquote, Crazy athletic sex that was super loud. Well, that's what a part of it. That's where that day players got really weird. Was that they said that day players started featuring a lot of sexual content, which is at the time it's strange, right? Because at at this point he's hovering in sort of like a Tommy Wiseau kind of world, where because Tommy Wiseau tried to follow up the room with a comedy because he tried to embrace the people that, that were laughing at the room and right. saying, Oh yeah, it was always a comedy. So he made an office comedy that was fucking hot garbage, but he did, he's kind of doing the same thing, but like Tommy Wiseau, who liked seeing his ass move in sex positions. Oh, like yeah. He liked seeing his weird Ripley back oh, yeah. and all that kind of shit, like force fuck a woman. He put a lot of dark sexuality into day players that turned a lot of people off. They were like, why Why is it like this? Why is there all this like weird choking shit in this? And it's also not just entertaining to watch two Canadian improv comedians with just cameras on them. Like, that doesn't work. Like, they need a script. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But as bad as that is, Twitchell still took the movie in front of a bunch of investors named Venture Alberta. Oh. Yeah, Venture Alberta. They're just a group. It was like Canadian Shark Tank. They were like a group of investors who heard proposals each year from aspiring Albertans. And Twitchell gave one hell of a sales pitch to these guys. He had fake numbers, told these guys, give me one small investment, $1.5 million, first round, that's all it'll take. Okay. I'm going to turn that into a 10-picture, five-year run. It's going to make you thirty-three point nine. Million dollars. That's a lot that's a of big, money. That's a that's bigger a big number. <laughs> well, the problem is that what I know from Shark Tank mm-hmm. is that when you go through the the maths of what your company is going to be, you have to really figure out what what it is for real. Oh yeah. Because if not, I'll tell you what. 
them sharks, they put skewers in you. <laughs> oh, yeah, they will. You give yourself a $5 million evaluation. You've only sold 100000 in a full year because you're selling socks for cats. Um, they're not going to – they're going to chew you up. Yeah. But Twitchell, he had an ace up his sleeve. Ooh. And he waited to the very end of his presentation to reveal it. He had two words to these guys. Alec Baldwin. Oh. Yeah. Can't go wrong. You know who else was going to be in the movie? Who? Kevin Smith. Oh. Justin Timberlake. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, my God. All of no them shit. were signed on to make cameos in Day Players. The cast that makes zero sense. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, most people have entered Alberta past, but one guy, John Pincent, actually signed on to buy a share in the movie and promised an investment of $35,000. Huh. Honestly, that's $35,000 of free-ass money that he just got by lying. Mm-hmm. That's called show business. Showbiz. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and Twitchell also convinced his buddy's parents to give him another $30,000, while his wife's brother gave over all the money he made working in the oil fields, which was another $30,000. Wow. Covered in pen ink. Like, in, you remember in Ir- Ernest Goes to Jail? Oh, <laughs> when yeah. When he breaks the pen. <laughs> and he's got the tissue he's eating. Uh, um, but well, I will say, the wife's brother gave him this money in the most Canadian way of, po- of in the most Canadian way possible. Where he's like, "All right, I'll give you this money, but you're gonna write in a document that is written down <laughs> that this money is to be held in trust, <laughs> so that it has to be used for the movie and you, nothing else." Right. And Mark is like. Absolutely, there's no way for me to spend this money if it's put in trust. I want it in trust, and I want it in a bank note. And so they signed a piece of paper, and it's just like, you fucking rube. <laughs> but even though 90 grand is a good chunk of money, great. it's not anywhere near good enough to deliver on Mark Twitchell's promises. Remember he Alec either- Baldwin, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah, and since he was spending all his time on day play, he got fired from his day job. Oh, the real day players. Yeah. <laughs> That's sad. What was his day job? Salesman. Oh, okay. yeah. But this is when shit started. This is when it starts getting dark. Yeah. Right? Because what we're going to see is that the bottom has fallen under on, on this this moment of his filmmaking career. And at any point, as, a, as again, as creators... I've had the rug pulled out from underneath me several times. And you know what then has to happen is you have to just rebuild. You just go back to doing it because you're a filmmaker and you and you just kind of figure out what the fuck it is that you're doing if you can. This guy this guy went to a worse place. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So after he lost his job, he did what any good psychopath would do, kept it a secret from his wife. Uh, and just kept leaving the house every day for about eight hours pretending to go to work. So much more difficult than just finding a job. Isn't it though? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then out came the Facebook. See back. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. See back yep. in 2008, Facebook statuses were all done in the third person. It's like mm-hmm. Marcus is going to the bank. Marcus just had a tasty burrito, right. and so on and so forth. So it's it was psychotic. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Also, uh, really unhealthy, Marcus. Really unhealthy. <laughs> Eat some vegetables. Stop going to the bank, Marcus. What are you doing at the bank? Are you casing the bank? <laughs> but starting around August. Mark Twitchell started posting shit like this. Mark has way too much in common with Dexter Morgan. Then he started his own Facebook profile 
as Dexter Morgan. Douchebag. Here we are. It's time to play the game Douchebag. Who's the first contestant? And he actually got a group of other Dexter fans to start responding to his Dexter Morgan Facebook statuses. Yeah. It became like a, a big fantasy thing. Right. People would act like Dexter Morgan was real, and then he would message them back as Dexter Morgan. All of this is the shit that you see people do. Like, when you wonder, like, what people are doing on their laptops at Starbucks at 3 p.m. Right. on a Tuesday, you're like, what are their, what are, what are their jobs? They're doing this. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. this is, But this is... I can see this. This is a social media extension of cosplay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's more obviously psychological. It very much but, makes right. sense. Uh, but he actually, he started messaging some of these people personally as himself. The one he messaged the most was a woman named Renee. He told her this in one message, quote, You're not the only one to relate to Dexter. It sometimes scares me how much I can relate. <sighs> but... This role play wasn't enough. Twitchell needed to take it to the next level. And so, on August 27th, 2008, Mark Twitchell sent out a casting call for a new project born from his internal creative genius called House of Cards. (laughs) Now, not surprisingly, House of Cards, it's about a cop turned serial killer, just like Dexter. And he lives in a house of cards? (laughs) It's very hard to live in a house of cards. Yeah. You have to stand so still. One, yeah. one mistake, the whole thing goes down. Yeah, he called it a psychological thriller. Ooh. But Mark's little twist was that this killer wasn't killing criminals. He was luring cheating husbands off the internet and killing them. Oh. So the plot is pretty much married guy shows up for a date at a garage, but he's immediately knocked out by a stun gun. When he wakes up, he's taped to a chair, and there's this crazy psycho guy standing in front of him doing that like that weird head tilt thing that new metal gar- guitarists used to always do to try right. to look crazy. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. From all those? yeah, they yes. always yeah, did yeah, the head tilt thing where they look like birds. I remember. So he, this is hostile, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah, it's yes. hot. Yeah, it's pretty much. And he's also to rip another thing off. He's wearing a hockey mask with the mouth and the chin cut out, painted black with gold stripes. Okay. I don't understand the black with gold stripes choice he did that with the judge it started with judge fred yes and then it turned into this you know what that is that's the colors of bumblebee oh yeah (laughs) got a little bumblebee in it well here's an example of the dialogue from the movie. This is actual dialogue from the movie written by Mark Twitchell. All right, just before we do this, I'll take the part of the person who was being um, tortured. Ah! <laughs> okay. 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 Settle down, Roger. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about yet. If you play by the rules, then you will live. If you don't, I'm going to cut you up into tiny pieces and they'll never find the body. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. And how you answered those questions, Roger, is going to decide your fate. Roger? <laughs> are you uh, are you supposed to be Jigsaw? <laughs> okay. Are... Okay, Roger, settle down. Okay. Well, sounds a lot like... I'm going to check your answers while you're sitting here. And if I find out you lied to me or on any particular point, I'm going to cut your nutsack off and show it to you. Do you read me, mister? (laughs) 
I hear you, man. That's... Actually, a line. I'm gonna cut your nutsack off and show it to you. Do you read me? <laughs> I like it. So the killer, he asks some questions. He gets his ATM info, and then he kills the guy. Okay. Now the original draft of the script had the killer decapitating the guy with a samurai sword, but Twitchell's wife, who couldn't stand violence, she wouldn't let him do it. Really? Not gonna do it, Mark. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. You're not doing... Mark, what kind of nastiness is this? You're going to have his head chopped off by a samurai sword? Yes, my dear. Can't you see that is the only way for the film to end? Because if not, what is this purchase of this $300 samurai sword for? Right. So this seems... A, it's a pretty one-dimensional film here. We got Hostel, yeah. we got Jigsaw, yeah. we yeah, got it's, Bumblebee. It's extremely... Well, but that's the thing, though. Is that there's a twist. What's the twist? Well, see, that they, okay, first of all, they compromised. Doesn't get decapitated. He just gets stabbed, but still with a sta- samurai sword. Okay. Got to. He already spent the money that is held in trust for the other film <laughs> yes. on that samurai sword. I mean, is the twist that the guy actually has steel balls and he can't <laughs> chop them off? Whoa. That'd be pretty cool. All right, so after the killer dismembers the body and loads the parts into his car, here's what happens. Okay. I'm going to read stage directions, and Ben... I'm going to need you to play the part. Okay, sure. Do I have to look at the script? Yeah, I'm going to need you to play the part of the wife. The wife. Interior home, library, Mm. day. A writer leans back from staring intensely at his laptop screen and puts his hands behind his head, taking a deep sigh in relief that he's just finished something solid. (laughs) He closes Microsoft Word and a website showing the inside workings of a female profile on a cheater's dating site is the last thing to shut down. He closes the laptop, and the shell displays superhero stickers on it in a distinctive (laughs) pattern. He puts it into his carrying case and leans over to close a duffel bag containing gloves, a stun gun, and a black, mouthless hockey mask with yellow streaks on it. He moves to his living room and kisses his wife goodbye. Okay, I'm the wife. (laughs) Yes. Okay, off to the gym, honey? You bet. Got to relieve some tension from sitting so long. Well, how's the story coming along? Really well, sweetie, my huge, big-titted wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's true when they say the best way to succeed is to write what you know. Do you get it? I ben- don't get it. <laughs> is he off to the gym? As the wife, I no. am still... Cons- is he going to the gym? No, remember, he's got... He's writing the script... Because see the whole thing well, is that the movie it? was the the movie was the script that the guy was writing. Because see the movie was a movie within the movie. Why? Yeah, then, but the guy okay. is really a kill. He's really a killer. He's but really the killer. Why would he's you got, take a stun gun to the gym? Because, <laughs> what is going he's not, on? He's lying to his wife. He's lying to yeah. his wife. He's lying to me. Li- yeah, man, he's okay, a bad guy. That's the last lie he's ever gonna tell. Yeah, man, he's lying. Yeah, especially to you as his wife, he'll just fucking snap his neck. Absolutely. Just fucking use your huge. I can't imagine how big your pussy would be if you were a woman <laughs> and you go up there and you just fucking choke him to death absolutely but, but again he then really did all this which is then i don't know really how to put i don't know how to put it in my mind as like i know it's sick and technically dark but it's also the lamest thing in the world oh yeah yeah and this shoot just sounds like the saddest thing ever okay like for the kill room Twitchell had found a disused garage in one of Edmonton's bad neighborhoods and rented it from a couple who didn't speak English, so they weren't going to ask any questions about what was going on in there. Okay. 
but he still needed props, specifically the stun baton. So where else would he go for incapacitating weapons but right here in America? Woo-hoo! Whoa! So- You're welcome, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so he drove seven hours to the border to buy one in Montana, but got stopped. For some stupid fucking reason, Mark Twitchell told the customs officer the same lie he told his wife. He said he was going to Montana to shoot a music video. But guess what you need at the border yeah. to go work in another country? <laughs> a visa. Visa. Huh. Yeah. Mark Twitchell didn't have a visa. So they just said, like, okay, you got to go home. You're not coming into America. Oh, my God. Well, then how is he ever going to bring back Millie Vanilli? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a part of this, right, where this... This is, I mean, truthfully, this does where it, this does this is where it gets dark. Yeah, where this this kind of shit, this kind of uh, empty facade he has, where he's believing his own lies within his own world. He's created this fake work life where he's already lying to his wife twenty four seven, and then he has to lie to her to shoot the movie. He has to lie to her to go get all the props. He has to do all this kind of shit, and then he's now starting to believe that it's real. Right. Almost, mm-hmm. where he's spinning off into a world of fantasy. He should have told the Border Patrol agent he's going to the gym. <laughs> because that would work. That's legal. You can do that anywhere. You can do that anywhere. You can drive seven hours from Edmonton to go to the gym in well, Bozeman. Why not? Yeah. He's just... Nothing says like having a secret gay relationship about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he just ended up ordering one off of the internet from a guy that was willing to ship to Alberta. Yeah. Which he could have just done yeah. in the first place. Yeah. It's also not that big of a deal. It's yeah. a stun baton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as the samurai sword went, though, Mark Twitchell, not surprisingly, he already had one of those. Okay, well, of course. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. And he was so attached to it, in fact, that he wouldn't let anyone else touch it during the shoot between takes. It would actually yell at people if they handled it wrong. Oh, yep. God. According to the Devil Cinema, he would say, quote, don't put your fingerprints on these. The oil on your hands could wreck it. Oh, like it's a baby bird. Yeah, absolutely. The mother will never love it if you if you touch it. What a psycho. And these poor actors, they were just looking for work. I mean, Edmonton, can you imagine being an Edmonton actor? Dude, one of the guys flew from Toronto on his yeah. own dime to be in this 7-minute oh short film. That's that so was the sad. killer. And well, the, the thing was is that he had all of the pitch materials that he just had from d- pitching day players. Right. So he sent them all of this shit. Like, he basically sent them, like, look, I have a meeting with these people. Jeff Goldblum's going to be in our next movie. I'm going to guarantee you a spot in that movie if you can come and be in this movie. And so people that are just hungry for an opportunity, I mean, like, loneliness and desperation will lead you to do a lot of stuff. That's yeah. how I ended up on a fucking TV show getting sausage suspenders eaten off my body <laughs> because I was desperate to make it in a business. Well, that was a good two $150 paycheck. You could go it and was. buy sausage yourself. Never show them titties for free. That's what I learned a long time ago. Absolutely. So these are just people who are struggling to get by. And yeah. He really is taking full advantage of their um, of their uh, you know need for, for attention in acting. Yeah, the victim was played by an amateur stand-up who was just trying to get into acting. He was just trying it out for a little bit. Uh-huh. And he actually got it worst of all because he had to have duct tape ripped off his mouth over and over again because these dudes didn't know anything about practical effects. Oh, my God. And speaking of duct tape, Mark kept getting upset because the other guys were using too much. <laughs> That was what they were saying, is that he was very protective over his duct tape. He was kept saying, like, you're wasting it. 
You're wasting Jesus. it. That's a, that's a big part of their budget, I would assume. So that's important. But still, they got through the shoot, and the whole thing got wrapped in a weekend. But the thing was, just doing this fil- short film still wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Twitchell actually had an ulterior motive for the project. See, for Twitchell, House of Cards wasn't just a project to keep himself busy until the money started rolling in for day players. It was practice. The entire time, Twitchell had been planning to make House of Cards a reality. It seemed like the fake reality of House of Cards just kind of overstepped his actual reality. Right. And that it's not almost... I don't know if it was... Practice is a great way to put it, but I also wonder if it's it's more of a, I'm already doing the motions. Mm-hmm. This is me giving myself permission to do a thing I've been fantasizing about for a long time, and then I get to take my rage out on the world on this in, in this way that now I believe I have planned right. perfectly. I mean, honestly, it's what Alec Baldwin is currently doing with his impression of Donald Trump when he <laughs> does seriously think he could run and win president. He thinks he could win he the does. presidency. In his mind, he, it is all merging together as a possible reality. Technically, what you'd call what Alec Baldwin's doing is called empty mugging. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Well, less than a week after wrapping the House of Cards shoot, Mark Twitchell actually went through with it but the thing was married men like the victim in house of cards were going to be missed pretty quickly sure so twitchell decided fuck it all he really cared about was just killing someone so he chose single men instead but they, that's a that's a huge plot twist they, it's a key component yeah they've got to be yep. cheaters yep no nope. oh because that's all he cared about that's all he wanted to do all he wanted to do was get the experience of killing a person because Call up joey greco have him find you a cheater and then you can do this <laughs> And the poor soul who happened to be on the other end of Mark Twitchell's fake Plenty of Fish account <laughs> was a newcomer to Edmonton named Gilles Tetro, who was just a genuinely nice dude who was having a hard time meeting new people. Oh. All he knew was that he'd gotten a message from a pretty blonde named Sheena who wanted to meet up for a date that night. Twitchell was, of course, on the other end and had chosen the oh-so-clever username Spiderwebs. With two Z's. So this is uh, this is catfishing, right? Yeah, so this is yeah, catfishing. This is catfishing. Going on here. Oh and the way God. he put it too, even the way he chose the pictures for her, he was like, I wanted to find a picture of a woman that um, would be too irresistible not to fuck, but not too hot so they wouldn't dare question the reality of the scenario. So this is what Twitchell wrote about this experience in SK Confessions after laying out why he chose lonely single men. Such was the case with the man I will refer to as Frank. That, of course, is not his real name, and I won't divulge any other sensitive details about the situation, but Frank was my very first target ever. I roped him in with a profile I was quite proud of, featuring photos of a blonde I would like to bang myself. Oh, my goodness. And this is before you could reverse image, right? Yeah. So he just found this yeah. online? He went on Plenty of Fish. He just went to a oh, different I city. See. Yeah, he went to a different city uh. and found a picture of a cute blonde girl in her mid-30s and used her. Okay. And it took four days of back and forth between Jill and Sheena, played by Mark, before a date could actually be set. Since Twitchell, he'd been pretending to be a woman since the early 2000s. So he was actually pretty damn good at it. These guys were none the wiser. He's very, very Dustin Hoffman from Tootsie. (laughs) So finally, on October 3rd, a Friday, 
Gio was all set to pick up Sheena for dinner and a movie. Now, the reason why Twitchell had chosen Friday was because he told his wife that Friday was his therapy night because, not surprisingly, things weren't working out between Mark and his wife, Jess. Not to malign therapy in any way, but if you have a therapy night, mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot. Like well, a full six to ten, you well, know, just a good four-hour therapy <laughs> session. That's a big block of therapy. That's a lot. Like a whole that's a, night I understand it. it. Well, see, Mark had found that upon the birth of his daughter, he still felt nothing. No emotions were coming in Uh. at all. And he felt himself getting more and more bored with family life. But the biggest reason why his marriage was falling apart was because of a girl named Tracy. Hmm. Tracy was Mark Twitchell's college girlfriend, and the relationship had ended badly. But over the last year, while his wife was pregnant, Mark had reconnected with Tracy, and the two had since made out a couple of times. Uh Uh-oh. It's kind of of interesting. Well, I, I, and I, you very rarely see this anywhere, um, that somebody wants to punish the, the perpetrators of a crime uh, in a fictitious piece of movie, or maybe with like laws or something, of a thing that they are guilty of right. themselves. It's just weird about how like sometimes <laughs> when someone's so anti one specific thing that they end up being the thing itself. It's strange, yep, strange. that's right. Canadian tug, Canadian tongue hugging. <laughs> that's what they were doing. <laughs> Not good. Not what you want. But Mark, he confessed to his wife and also threw in that again? he had uh, again, and he also threw in he had no empathy or sympathy toward anyone in the entire world. By the way, what was that last part? Mark? <laughs> what was that last sociopathy part? Is <laughs> what <laughs> so I thought. I mean, she. Uh, they had a newborn, you know? She was determined oh. to make it work, so she told him that if he stopped seeing Tracy and went to therapy, she'd give him another chance. He said yes to both conditions, but didn't do either. Uh. Kept seeing Tracy, and instead of going to therapy, Twitchell decided he's going to make Friday night his weekly murder night, <laughs> starting on October 3rd. Now, Gilles Tetro fully admits that he should have been suspicious when Sheena wouldn't give him a street address or phone number mm. and instead told him that he should drive down a back alley and park outside an old garage and walk through the garage to get to the back door. Yeah, Sheena's never there. <laughs> Sheena is never having you meet in a back alley. I just promise you that. Never go. Never do this shit. But There's, here, they, they, Never do this. If they don't give you an exact address, if they don't give a phone number, do not go. Can I read a little bit of the message that Sheena sent him? Yeah. Just so you could see? Like... So, so a little bit of this message from Sheena, it's like both really convoluted, but he does sort of like nail a, a woman's voice a little bit, right? So it starts with, so, okay, Friday, if you're coming from the north on Groat, get on Calgary Trail when you get to the south side and jump on White Mud. Then go south on 50th Street, take a right on 40th Avenue, and after a block or two, take the very first right into the alley. It's marked by a yellow crosswalk sign, so pay attention. Then go left and pull into the only driveway on your left that isn't paved. LOL. Seriously, who ever heard of a driveway that looks like the Amazon? <laughs> Whatever. It won't swallow your car, I promise. There's some garbage up against the fence, like an old couch and such, but it might be gone by Friday. Who knows? Like I said, the garage door will be open for you a touch, so don't worry about neighbors thinking you're a burglar everyone knows there's nothing valuable in there except my car of course oi see you then sheena groat and white mud (laughs) are the garbage pail kids naming these freaking streets so they're in dedmonton and the streets are groat Uh and white mud white mud how is seattle the suicide capital (laughs) this is this is the saddest town i've ever heard i mean you know what man 
I kind of get it. I mean, I know what it's like. I'm sure you know a yeah. lot of you out there know what it's like. You know, there's a lot you'll brush off when you're new in town and you're lonely. Of course, of course. I'm I just totally. Saying I mean, I, that was a part of it because when I was reading a lot about the victim, you kind of I do feel bad in terms of like being a lonely dude out there. And it's like a part of the reason why I react to it is because I was that guy. Yeah. There was a period in time in my life where it's like if a hot chick I met online told me to do certain shit, I probably would have ended up doing it in a way because I was kind of, especially in the new days, in the beginning of online dating, right. when I met an ex-con woman uh, at the very beginning <laughs> of uh, Match.com when they would do the free weekends and she was like, <laughs> I'm out of jail soon. We should fuck. And right. I was just like, okay, you know, like, cool. Well, well, like, I don't know what the, I was doing. I think you met on prisonsmooch.com. <laughs> yeah, we play on prison hooch. <laughs> and of course, that is also why if you search Henry Zabrowski, at some point they will be leaked. Um, a lot of smiley faces right around his butthole. <laughs> and yeah. those are going to be sort of images on there. So that's scary. So after getting the invitation, Gilles got in his car and headed off to the same garage where Mark Twitchell had just wrapped House of Cards Ugh. days earlier. This is crazy. Yeah. Meanwhile, Twitchell, he'd been spending all day preparing. He'd soundproof the walls. He'd covered every inch of the garage in plastic sheeting, just like Dexter did. And he even had a little dissecting table that had been made for the House of Cards shoot. Hey, honey, uh, it looks like the neighbor is starting a, a podcast. Um, <laughs> should we just call the police now or wait until we're really annoyed? No, no, we'll wait till he starts yelling in there, and then I'll go over there with a the shovel and I'll beat him to death. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and as Gilles was on his way, Mark logged into fucking Facebook on his Dexter Morgan profile <sighs> and entered a status. This is what he wrote. Dexter is patiently waiting for his next victim, a uh, play date, buddy. And in response, one of his followers wrote, Do this well, Dex, and it could be really, really cool. <laughs> oh my God. Man, Facebook has not changed. No, it has. It's got to go away. Oh, my God. We talk about this on Top Hat this week. Mark Zuckerberg was considered to be the Democratic nominee for, for the primary. Can you imagine Mark Zuckerberg as president? Oh, my God. What a psycho. Smoke these meats. Smoke these meats. Smoke these meats. So at about 7 p.m., Gilles pulled his truck up to the garage, crouched under the half-open door, and walked through the dark to get to the other side. But before he could get there, out jumped Twitchell, wearing his stupid House of Cards hockey mask and holding his stun baton. Twitchell is not that big of a guy. No, not really. This must have been kind of comical. <laughs> well, he asked for the other guy to be small, too. He asked, because uh. that's the one fucking thing about dating apps, is that they know you're, they got, he got all his fucking measurements. Right, okay. So he knows okay. how big he is. So Twitch will press the trigger, and it made a really impressive, like, arc of blue electricity shoot out of the end, but when he stuck it to Gilles' chest, didn't do anything. <laughs> and Gilles, I mean, he, himself, Gilles, Gilles himself later said it was more annoying than painful. <laughs> it was like, ah, stop it. But what neither of them knew was that stun batons, or at least the kind that Twitchell had ordered, didn't work that way. It's not just a and they fall to the ground. It's not a taser because there's no actual pain involved. What a stun baton actually does is pump 800,000 volts of electricity into the body. But it's not voltage that paralyzes a person and sends them to the ground shaken. They don't use volts in the electric chair. Hmm. They use watts. Ooh. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's on, fun. Guys. See, voltage actually pumps itself 
through the body, making the muscles work overtime and converting blood sugar into lactic acid. And eventually, your muscles just stop working. Mm. But in the case of Gilles and Twitchell, it was not an instantaneous effect because Gilles just pushed the baton away and started to run. But Twitchell had another trick up his sleeve. He had a gun. Ooh. But gun wasn't real. It was just a movie uh, prop that he rented from a production house. Okay. But Gilles, he didn't know that, so he did what he was told, and he got on the ground. But after Twitchell put tape over Gilles' eyes, something just kind of switched in Gilles' brain. He said, I am not going out. Yeah. I'm not going out like that. He started screaming that yeah. while on the floor. Good for and him. And stood up. Yeah. Good for him. All right. Yeah, rip the t- tape off of his eyes. He said he wasn't. If he was going to die that night, he was going to die his way. There it is. Now we got and ourselves so a real strong like, Edmonton man. Like, Get down on the ground. Get down <laughs> on the ground. Hands behind your back. And he's like, I'm not going out that way. And Gilles realized he's like, whatever's happening, I'm grabbing that gun. He took a hold of the gun. And all this came from the one that got away, and he was like, oh, shit, it's plastic. Yeah. Oh, my god, It's a gosh. fucking plastic gun. So he starts punching Woo-hoo. Twitchell in the face. The two of them punch it back and forth. Meanwhile, tw- he starts bending the plastic gun back to Twitchell screaming, you're going to break it. Oh, my god, You're going to break it. <laughs> Woo, what a douchebag. Yeah, he's got to get his deposit back. Of course. <laughs> yeah, naturally. All and, right. Yeah, and you know, Gio, he said when he felt that plastic gun, he said it was the best feeling he'd ever had in his life. He's a hero. Yeah, they started grappling, and Gio, he was actually able to kind of shimmy his way out of there because Twitchell was grabbing a hold of his jacket. Mm-hmm. So Gio, he just kind of shimmied out of his jacket and was able to roll under the still open garage door. Yeah, that's how John Candy got control of the wheel in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles <laughs> again. After a lo- Well, he realized he got him to grab a hold of the jacket, and he slipped out of the jacket. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a good move. Slip yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. And as Twitchell later recounted in SK Confessions, quote, He made it to the driveway, and that's when I knew I was pooched. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what does that mean? You're a half dog? <laughs> <laughs> what, was that? what happened? But Gilles almost didn't make it. When he tried to stand up and run after getting out of the garage, he found that he couldn't because the stun baton had finally done its job. Oh. So Twitchell caught up and started dragging Gilles back in. But when Twitchell let go for a second to raise the garage door, Gilles' strength returned and he took off running. All right. As When he's first crawling out, couple of people walked past, and he was like, help me, help me, get in my truck. And the woman of the couple, which I found is interesting, wouldn't let the man come forward to help him because she's like, we can't get involved. But the bit was Twitchell, when he saw the couple, and he's in a fucking mask and a hoodie with a fake gun in his hands, and he starts, he, he freezes, and he goes, all right, quit playing now. This is my best friend, and we're having a bit of a romp around time. Come on, buddy. Get up. He tried to pretend like they were just friends having, like, gay garage night. I guess so. Okay. Yeah, and the thing is, that, like, as soon as uh, Twitchell came out and started going, like, oh, hey, friend, uh, the couple fucking bolted. But so not, not a hero duo. Not a hero duo no. because they thought that Gilles and Twitchell were in cahoots. And the whole thing was a ruse to rob them. I might just say this, overthinking it. Overthinking it Overthinking it. But when they ran, so did Twitchell. So Gilles was able to get up, dust himself himself off, and make his way back to his truck. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, yeah, man. And when he got back to the garage, he said that he could still see Twitchell's feet under the open door pacing back and forth. But still, Gilles managed to get in his vehicle, start the engine, and escape. Okay. But instead of going to the police, Gilles, horribly embarrassed about the whole situation, which is totally understandable, went home and passed out from the adrenaline crash. And when he woke up and checked his plentyoffish.com account, Sheena was gone. That's so sad. It's so heartbreaking. You want to go. You're thinking you're finding it. Because that's what he said to himself is that when he found her profile, he's like, yeah, a lot of people said that, you know, it was maybe dumb what I did. But I said to myself, you got to give love a chance. You got to give love a chance in a public setting where there's folks around for your first (laughs) meeting. Maybe you have an exit Maybe you do lunch instead of dinner, you know, so that you can get out because you got stuff to do at five, you know. Go out to lunch. Sure. There's absolutely nothing wrong with internet relationships, things starting on the internet. You guys are cross But you got to Skype. Yeah. Do a Skype. You got to see the voice attached to a face and you have to be like, no offense here, Sheena, but I'm going to need you to hold up a newspaper. <laughs> I just need you to hold up a newspaper so I can see what date it is. Right. Yeah. But that's the thing is that when uh, Gilles checked the account when he first got home, he would have found a message from Mark saying that he was going to hunt him down if he ever talked to the police. But when Twitchell deleted Sheena, deleted all the messages, too. Uh, ah, yeah. didn't even get the, the shallow threat. Yeah. Okay. So Gilles never saw it. And that is where we're going to end this episode. We'll come back with the murder of Johnny Altinger next week when Twitchell is actually somehow successful. Mark Twitchell. This is a, I got to say, really fascinating story. And it's the most, it's one of the stories that is so current um, in pop culture. It's really fascinating. Man, it just... We talk time and time again about the power of nerds and what happens. Because, you know, we had a good time kind of joking about the lead up mm-hmm. to this first thing and this kind of thing going on. But it's it's very interesting to see how easy the decision it was for him right. to do this, to, to try to commit murder. Because they were saying that when he was writing House of Cards, he said that he researched traits of psychopaths and... It's a weird thing about the the chicken and the egg of people that end up identifying as psychopaths or people who are diagnosed as psychopaths. It's almost like it's psychopathic to look at the symptoms of that disorder and say, oh, that's me. I want those attributes. Yes. If you see someone looking at the psychopath test and you hear them saying, check, check, (laughs) check, uh, that is not someone to be trusted. Yeah. Because it's weird, right? Because in a way... I, I always kind of trick because we talk about this all the time in terms of like people play their own games with themselves where in in down deep you maybe know that there's something empty with you but you uh you know you just assume you're normal like everybody else but as soon as something gives you permission to be crazy there's something there's like a feedback loop inside of his own mind where he saw all of this shit about being a psychopath and he's like that gives me my fucking get out of jail free card no matter what. Interesting. And if you are an actor out there, unless you see Jeff Goldblum, he's not in the movie. And if you have to go to Edmonton and the budget is $90,000, he's not in the movie. 
Jeff Goldblum will say a lot of shit after one of his jazz shows in L.A. He will respond to emails, especially if you're sending him an email as Sheena. He will respond to you because he's Jeff Goldblum, but do not believe he will be in your film until he shows up on set. Absolutely. The day that he's supposed to arrive, or at least gets to the airport, because then it's a whole thing. But I ask a message to filmmakers out there that don't let this man's tale dis- uh, dissuade you. No. From trying to make your art. You got to keep pushing, man. You got to fight for that inch. Right. Well, I don't, I hope it dissuades you from being a serial killer. Yeah. But, you know. I think it should. Yeah. I think it should. That's for sure. Well, speaking of movies, we want to thank Fangoria. We had a great yeah. uh, chance to be, we were on the cover. Our name was on the cover. We it's were, a huge fucking dream. It was awesome. Our name was on the cover next to Tom Savini. And Joe Bob. So cool. And Joe Bob Briggs was on the cover and the, they, had, they gave him the picture, of oh. course, because Joe Bob's a, a legend. Yeah, Monster Vision, man. Of course. So, check out the new Fangoria. It's a little bit pricey, but the thing is you can't get the content online and it's high quality. Great quality. It's great quality. So check the out first... the new Fangoria and we'll be doing a signing um what is it the 19th? A 17th. We'll be doing a signing uh, January 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. um at uh, Forbidden Planet. Yeah, over in Union Square. Yes. It will be me and Ben. Yes, Henry can't what, make it, but it'll be the two of I, us. Us New York boys are coming. Yes. Yeah, the New Yorkers are going there. But honestly, the first uh, issue of the Fangoria, the new run, was fucking fantastic. So good. So it's good. thick as shit. Yep. You could, you could beat a cat to death with it if you <laughs> want to. I'm not saying you should. Don't do it. You can also make a nice bed for your turtle. What? I've <laughs> <laughs> never seen a turtle. <laughs> you know how turtles live? I'm but I sure. tell you what, this is one of these stories. We're going to be doing a lot more of these more specific true crime stories, I think, in 2019, because we love a good story. Yeah. And I like telling a good story. And, th- I, you know, we'll give you blood. We'll give you guts. But part of it is good-ass, dumb-shit characters like Mark Twitchell, yep. who I hope is hearing this in jail, and I hope it makes him scowl. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure that he will. Uh, the thing that will upset him the most is us criticizing his art. Yeah. Um, because it's crap. Mm-hmm. And I know people who do great fan fiction films, or YouTube, basically, because you can't profit off of it. Mm-hmm. This guy's a disgrace to the whole community. Yeah, I wonder if he's listening from Saskatchewan prison. Oh, Saskatchewan. Uh. Yeah, do you, uh, you guys remember that video where they, they put together all of the fan bits? It was all at a bar, and it was like Terminator and Star Wars and all the stuff. It was a huge, huge, like seven minutes long, like a, it's like a music video. Yeah. Is yeah. that? Oh, that's it. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yep. I want to quickly thank uh, – someone sent me um, a copy of this DVD called Megiddo, the Omega Code 2. Um, I don't know who you are, but I can't wait to see this. I don't know what the fuck this is. And I also want to thank Amanda Rizzi for all the pictures of Plainfield and of Ed Gein's uh, father's grave. Oh, nice. Okay. Very and the nice. alien – it's the butt-ripping alien jerky that she sent me, which I'm afraid to eat. But thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Um, yeah. And again, thanks to everyone who has bought our special so far. $6.66. Don't forget to try, type in those three wonderful letters from 2001. dot com. Check it out. Um, and thank you for the great response. And that'll be there for the whole year. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be the gift that keeps on giving. And, and you give to, give to our Patreon. 
Yeah, if you want to give us some money, you can give to our Patreon as well. Yes, thank you all so much. And the last stream is back. Adultswim.com slash streams every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's it's always a great experience and a great time to hang out with friends. And it's so fun to have that evening with you. It's better than going out and planning a murder. Yeah. That's for sure. You're right. Yeah. If that's the bar. <laughs> <laughs> it is. All right, everyone. LPN. Uh, what is? What's what's our Twitter? LPN. Something like that. It's at LP, LP on the left dot com. Okay. It's all this. No. At LP on the left is for all our bullshit. Awesome. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Hail me. Magustalations. 2019 is gonna be different than the other years. That's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay, leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.